Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. Good morning. Uh, I will be reading from our Pew Bibles. You can find scripture on page 793. It's Matthew 12, and I will start at verse 22. And it's entitled, Jesus and Beelzebub. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do you people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit cannot be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a good tree and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The good man brings good things out of the good stored in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored within him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. That's a hard one. Have you ever had the experience of someone saying something to you that was so completely out of character that it completely confused you? Maybe you have a friend who is extremely right-wing political, very politically very conservative, and one day you hear them say, actually, I think Justin Trudeau is like a pretty great guy. And some of you are laughing. You're like, oh, what's going on here? Maybe you have a friend that is extremely healthy, only ever eats food that's good for them. And when you say, where shall we go for lunch? They, she says, um, why don't we go to Popeye's fried chicken? You think, what? I remember once talking to my dad, who was in his 70s at the time. My dad's very uh, traditional, very conservative Christian man. And we were talking about how my cousin had gotten a tattoo. And I assumed that my dad would have a very particular view of tattoos. Much to my shock, he said, yeah, actually, I've always wanted a tattoo, you know. Wait for it. And then I went, of what? And he said, 
a horse. Guys, you could have knocked me over with a feather. What was funnier was I was telling my mom about this, and she said he wanted a horse, right? I was like, what the? We don't, I've never seen my dad near a horse in my entire life. Sometimes these things happen, right? A little bit jarring. And when you hear that passage that Bruce read, there was a part of that that may have felt exactly like that statement. This was it, if you missed it. I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Did you notice that one? Well, that can seem a little out of character. After all, I preach here quite often that Jesus forgives everything, and I believe that. In fact, Scripture says later in the book of 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. It's sort of the basis of Christianity. And yet here Jesus is making the statement that something will not be forgiven. We might think, what is happening here? And if you heard this story today and felt a bit startled, you are not alone. In fact, I think of all the questions specifically about passages in the Bible, like when someone said, what does this mean? This is the one in my ministry I probably had the most specific questions about. What is the unforgivable sin? Is there an unforgivable sin? Have I accidentally committed the unforgivable sin? It's come up all the time. I remember being on a mission trip to Mexico and spending two hours debating it with my team. I remember being a youth pastor and a 15-year-old coming to me and asking me what it meant and in hindsight giving her the completely wrong answer. Sorry, Jill. I remember as well other times that people have asked me about this and they've wondered again, have this happened? Have I done this? Is this something I should do? Should avoid doing? And in fact, once when I had people put up whatever, what we did a pick a sermon series, this question came up several times. What about the unforgivable sin? Could you do a sermon on the unforgivable sin? But we used to vote, we voted that summer and it never won, but people asked it almost uh, several times. So it would seem that it is worth looking into. So we're going to look at it a bit more. And to do that, we should look again at the whole story. It begins when people bring to Jesus, it says, a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute. And this is when Jesus, by now, he's been teaching, he's been healing people, so people would hear about him, and they would bring people that needed help to Jesus. And Jesus heals this man. The people watching, it says, are so astonished that they begin to ask, could this be the son of David? Now, the son of David means something particular here. The son of David refers to someone who is uh, like King David, who was remembered and known as Israel's greatest king. And they were waiting for someone to come of the line of David who would save them again, who would be their Messiah. Quite literally, when they say, is this the son of David, they're asking, could this be the Messiah? But then a group of people called the Pharisees. And we've explained a few times who they are, but they were a group of uh, Jewish, part of the Jewish faith, and there were lots of different branches of Judaism, just like there are of Christianity, that were very conservative, very eager to make sure people followed the, the law. They did not like Jesus. They disagree, and they say, no, it is by Beelzebul that this man drives out demons. That's how he did this, by Beelzebul. 
And Beezebul, simply put, means Satan. It's slang for Satan. It literally means Lord of filth. And so it says quite, quite logically, we might then ask, hold on, hold on. It says that he healed a man who was blind and mute. Why are they now talking about Jesus casting out demons? That would be a very good question. And the answer to that is that at this time, this is of course 2,000 years ago, the ancient worldview was very different than most of our modern worldviews, the way people saw the world in general. And quite frankly, those two things, sickness and demons, were often considered one and the same. The ancient worldview connected spiritual things with earthly things. Earthly things were connected to what was happening in a spiritual realm, and that was across cultures. If the crops failed, it was because the gods were mad at you. If someone was injured, it was because you had angered the gods, right? You've heard these kind of things. And of course, it was in Judaism as well. And so if you were sick, it wasn't just a physical ailment. It was a possession as such, to use the term loosely. To them, for Jesus to heal a man blind and mute was in one sense to cast out the evil in his life. This wasn't of God, you're getting it out. It's an exorcism. So they are amazed, astonished it says that Jesus can cast out demons. In fact, this word we translate astonished this was originally written in an ancient form of Greek. It's even bigger. They, we don't even have a big enough word, uh, an equal English word for how they're actually, they're super duper duper astonished, you guys. Like they're over the top amazed. So much so that they say, could this be God? Could this be the Messiah? But again, the Messiah is not liking them, even suggesting that this could be what Jesus is about answers. No, he is doing this by the power of evil not by the power of good. And one thing to note here is that at no point do the Pharisees argue that Jesus hasn't healed this man or that he isn't driving out an evil spirit. They simply argue about how Jesus has done it. And the answer is in their minds that Jesus has done it through the power of Beelzebul, through Satan, and not through the power of God. This is when Jesus talks back. He tells them the reality of the situation. And he says, he says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided itself will be ruined and every city or household divided itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? so then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, Jesus says, if I am working for Satan, if I'm doing this in Satan's power, why would I go against the things that Satan wants? Satan wants illness, destruction, pain, suffering, why would I do the opposite of Satan's work and heal him if I'm on Satan's side? And he tells this parable about a strong man. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. In this parable, he's referring to Satan's kingdom, the house of the strong man, as Satan's kingdom. 
His goods and possessions are the people who are under Satan's sway. And he says, I'm here to defeat evil. So, of course, I'm going to start by tying up the strong man. I start by casting out Satan. Jesus is making a pretty big claim about himself. He is saying, in fact, he says it, if this is done by God, then God's kingdom is here. And, of course, he's saying it is done by God. And, therefore, my kingdom is here, and it is standing up against kingdom, Satan's kingdom, and my kingdom is greater, and that's why I can do these things. Now, I think we need to pause here and digress a bit. Don't worry, I'm getting to the question of the unforgivable sin. Uh, because there are a few things that I think we really need to notice here. And I've already mentioned this. Like the Pharisees, at no point does Jesus say there's no such thing as Satan or as another kingdom. What he says is that his kingdom is greater. And the Pharisees, again, they don't dismiss the idea of good and evil powers. What they say is that he's, he's on Satan's team. He's on Satan's side. Now, we do not live in general with a worldview like the ancient one. Right? Most people, if someone is sick or something goes wrong, don't instantly say, oh, that's because Satan's mad or God's mad. In fact, when some uh, evangelicals do that, we, we take offense, right? God sent an earthquake. We don't like that, nor should we. However, when we look at this, we, are, we do still do something that is dismissive. We are very likely to dismiss the idea that there is a spiritual work around us at all. And if we admit, as most of us here do, that of course there's a kingdom of God, there's a spiritual kingdom, there's something beyond us, God is real, we may not be quite willing to say that Satan is real or that there's this other side of things. Um, and we might wonder why that is. And, and there's reasons for that. The reason, I think, is how we've been conditioned to understand Satan by the media, by popular culture. And we picture a little guy with horns and red tails and pointy ears, right? Like something in a movie. My friends, that is not Satan, and that is not what this passage is talking about. The Bible never talks about Satan that way, ever. It's not how people at this time understood Satan. In fact, those images of Satan um, just began around the Middle Ages when people were painting scenes, and they were like, this is how I'm going to draw Satan, and it like caught on. It's not really this thing that we see in Scripture at all. And at this time, Satan was a word that they used for the powers that were at work that were not of God. Satan was the powers that rejected God, that worked against God. Satan was darkness and evil. And the word they used for those things was indeed Satan or the devil or Beelzebub. And we use some of those words today too. But when they used those words, they were putting a name to something very real. That there are powers at work that oppose God's ways. In this way, in some ways, they weren't entirely wrong in saying that the sickness was caused by Satan. And I don't mean demon possession here, although that's in Scripture too. But what they mean is that it was something that wasn't of God that was in their life. Not the way God designed the world. Not what God wanted for that person. And in that sense, for Jesus to heal it and cast it out was in many ways an exorcism of their suffering. And I think this idea is to challenge us in a world that dismisses the idea of good and evil in so many ways. Jesus makes clear that there is another kingdom at work that isn't his, and we should not dismiss it. Of course there is such a thing as a real Satan, but it doesn't look like this. Um, it looks like this. And it doesn't look like this. Um, but it looks like this. And it doesn't look like this. 
but it looks like this, and it looks like this, and it looks like this. There's Satan in the world. There's evil at work that causes people to suffer, and it is not of God. We can take that slide down here. Of course there is a Satan, and there still is. We see it all the time, and you know it to be true. We see the powers all around us that are not of God. And in our time, Satan takes the form of structures that have fallen from the tasks given them by God. We see it all around us. Institutional racism is not from God. It's Satan. Violence for violence sake is not from God. It is Satan. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it evil, wrong, darkness, but it's real, and we know it. But the good news is that Jesus makes clear to those whom he's talking back in this passage that he has brought a new kingdom that is stronger than the kingdom of Beelzebul, that he can cast it out, that he is a greater power, that while the work of darkness is to destroy, Jesus' work is to heal and to make whole. And so Jesus says, how could you possibly see what I am doing here and then say that I did it through Satan's power? How could you ever call that Satan? Now Jesus is not done talking. And this is when we get to the passage that I started by talking about. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. That's, that's a hard one to hear. And so we might, some of you might wonder what blasphemy is. And it's the word that was used for speaking against God. Blasphemy was to curse God, to speak against God, to swear against God. And what is the Holy Spirit here? Uh, well, we talk about the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. Some of these ideas might be new to you. Um, and we talk about, in the Bible, it says the Holy Spirit was actually sent to us in the way we understand it today, after Jesus went back to heaven. But the Holy Spirit existed before then. And to the people who listed, li were listening at this time, their understanding of the Holy Spirit's work was that the Spirit of God was what helped people understand God. The Spirit of God was the thing in people's lives that allowed people to recognize God's truth. That's what the Pharisees would have understood by the Spirit. So this is what Jesus is saying. God is right in front of you working, and the Holy Spirit is making this clear to you, but you are calling it evil. You are looking at me and calling it evil. You are shunning what the Holy Spirit is t telling you. You're calling my work evil, and therefore you are missing God's kingdom, and you'll never be able to receive my forgiveness. If you don't admit that I'm the one who can forgive you, you'll never be forgiven. Let me explain this again. Imagine that this glass of water is the last glass of water in the whole world. And uh, theologian N.T. Wright says it this way. If you look at this glass of water and say, that's poison and never drink it, you will die of thirst. If this is the last glass of water in the world and you say, that's poison, I will never drink it. You mislabel it, you will die of thirst. You will never receive what the water can give you. And so he's saying to the Pharisees, because these stories are connected, right? It doesn't stand alone. It's all part of this conversation. He says, if you look at me and you hear the Holy Spirit and you say, that is evil, I will never receive it, I will never do that, and you don't repent, you will never receive my forgiveness. That 
is what the unforgiveness means. God, Jesus is saying God's work is right in front of you. The Holy Spirit is making this clear, but you are calling my evil, you're calling my work evil, and you are going to miss receiving God's kingdom. If you call the things of God evil and don't receive them, you can never receive the forgiveness of God. So if you are interested, if you've ever wondered about this weird line of scripture, let me tell you, there isn't some accidental thing you're going to say to make you commit the unforgivable sin. The fact that you're here makes me almost certain that you haven't. Absolutely certain, in fact. This is Jesus saying to this group of people, you have chosen to call the things of God evil, and now you will miss the things of God. You'll never repent. You'll never be able to be forgiven because my kingdom is here and it is a kingdom of healing and wholeness. And this is what Jesus wants to make clear. God's forgiveness is here anytime. God forgives all things. But of course, we have to receive it. Now, I know I said that when I began that we were going to explain this text today, and hopefully that's given some deeper explanation to you as we celebrate the power of God's forgiveness if we'll receive. But I actually don't want to stop here because there is also a challenge for us in this text that I want to dig into, and I've addressed it a bit already. As I said, the Pharisees were not willing to accurately label what they saw right in front of them. They were calling good evil. They were letting God's spirit show, they were not letting God's spirit show them what was good, and so Jesus challenged them. Now this may seem something far removed from us, but I think we can struggle with what the Pharisees did too. But more often than not in our time and our culture, we struggle by calling evil good. Or we're not willing to call evil evil at all. And we need to. We need to accurately label the kingdoms that are at work in this world. Again, I'm not talking about little guys with pitchforks, living in someone like a scene from The Exorcist. I'm talking about the very real demonic reality of something that has fallen from what God has designed it to be. The powers are real, but the powers are fallen, and the powers need to be redeemed. And it happens in governments, and it happens in institutions, and it happens in churches. If, for example, a church justifies a sexual assault by one of their leaders, it is not just wrong or bad. It is demonic in this definition. And when a government tries to turn its citizens against each other, it's not just difficult. It is demonic. It is the work of Beelzebul. When systems exploit and abuse, they are not just greedy. They are darkness. They are demonic. Now, let me give you an example. A number of years ago, um, I learned about this at the age of 19, and I boycotted Nestle for many years, and we know this to be true. Nestle was found to be doing, engaging in this practice where they were partnering with doctors in very poor countries, mostly in Africa, and they were quite literally giving doctors money to give free samples of formula to women who had just given birth and tell them that this was better than breastfeeding. Now, what did that lead to? That meant that the women who were the poorest of the poor stopped nursing, their milk dried up, then they had to keep buying formula from Nestle that they couldn't afford, so the rest of their family was starving. They had to use dirty water to use it. That is a broken system, and you know what it is? It's demonic. It's actually something that has fallen from what God has designed it to be. Now again, you might balk a little at the word demonic. Fair enough. We're not talking about the exorcist. We are talking about the kingdom of darkness 
as opposed to the kingdom of God. And sometimes we see it in simple ways, and we need to label it for what it is. Some of, you know, some of you will know that a few years ago, I sat, I volunteered on a committee here in our neighborhood that was reviewing uh, which of the schools would be closed in this catchment. They needed to do some, uh, what's the word, like restructuring. And so they had invited three representatives from each of the schools slated to close, not slated to close, but in part of the catchment, to come and give their opinions. This was the worst committee I've ever sat on in my life. And it had nothing to do with the people on it, but it had to do with the system with which it was set up. And I watched week after week as the moderator intentionally manipulated this group, as they intentionally turned people against people and neighbor against neighbor. And after I came home week after week feeling so unsettled, I finally looked at my husband and I said, this isn't just a bad committee. They exist too. This is darkness. This is demonic. I'm not saying these people were possessed by Satan, but I'm saying it had fallen from its purpose, which was to educate and care for our children, and it had shifted to a power struggle that was not of God. And I needed to name that and know that so that I could speak into it, be light to darkness, and not only talk, but pray, because there was something bigger going on. A system that lives for itself and its own gain instead of the way of healing and hope is fallen. It is believable. It is believable. And Jesus wants to see it fall. That's why he came. And when we call these things good, I'm not saying we're doing something unforgivable. We're, we're passing unforgivable sin now. But we are mislabeling. And we are not acknowledging a kingdom that Jesus stood against and said, that's not my way. I will be light. Now, why is it important to understand this? Why does it even matter? It's not just here to depress you and say, oh, all these evil things around us. It's because we can bring the kingdom of Jesus to these things when we recognize them for what they are. And that is the work of healing and hope and reconciliation. When we say, I can say no to this system. And it can be as simple as things like, I will not laugh at a racist joke. And it's not because I have no sense of humor. It is because that is darkness. It is not stepping into systems of cycles and, and of things that are out to break us, such as cycles of debt, because we're part of a system that tells us we need more, we don't have enough. It is speaking up when someone's being sexist. It's being willing to say, you know what, I'm not just going to say, well, that's the system and I can't do anything about it because, oh, what are we going to do? Even, you know, this week, many of you probably heard on the news uh, a challenge to those of us who live in North America. Because we consume, what is it, four times the amount of meat as the rest of the world? Did anyone hear this? I meant to Google the stats. And so they came out with this uh, recommendation that those of us who live in North America, for the rest of the world's sake, need to eat less meat. We just need to do it. We eat way more meat than anyone else. And you know, my initial response was, I can't do that. That's hard. That's hard. And then we might want to say, mm, but what's going to happen to all our structures and our economy and all those things? See, that is a fallen system. When we won't say, no, I can do something different because the system feels bigger than me. But sometimes we can. Even if it's little things like having one vegetarian meal a week that we didn't used to have. We are surrounded by a world that wants to call Beelzebul's kingdom good when it isn't. And to that lie, we can talk back. 
We can bring love and wholeness and the way of Jesus' kingdom. And every time we do that, we stand against darkness. When we tell the truth, when people want to be hateful and we respond in love, when we seek reconciliation, all those times we're talking back and we are saying this is the way of God and the kingdom that God, that Jesus came to bring. And of course, we can pray. And when we look around our world and we see so much brokenness, I know that I feel so defeated. But I'm encouraged when I remember that there is a greater kingdom at work. We can pray for that kingdom's power to come. And one day Jesus will return. And the Jesus who spoke to Beelzebub so long ago and said, get out of this man, I'm not on your side, will return and he will be cast down. In the book of Revelation, Satan is called a dragon and a beast. And we read this, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And I heard a voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah because Satan doesn't win. Amen. Let's pray. And so, God, we do see these other things at work around us. And it's easy to dismiss them and just say, well, what can we do? But, Lord, help us to be the voice of your kingdom. Help us to talk back, to be your love and your hope when there is darkness to be light. In Jesus' name, amen.